Thanks for that, Beck. Chris and Beck have had an interesting week this week. Young uh, Elias has uh, had a severe burn on his hand, you know, trips to the hospital and things like that. So uh, thank God that uh, he's uh, just been upholding them and sustaining them this week as well. As well as others who have had trips to hospitals this week, uh, Miss Hannah Smith. Hey? And uh, a bit of an incident with a chicken bone this week, huh? All right. Lots of things to be praying about, isn't there? Hey, lots of things to be praying about. Would you open your Bibles with me, please, to uh, the book of James, or the letter of James, and to chapter 3 this morning. And whilst you're turning there, just uh, you might have noticed a few uh, additions to the uh, church this morning, particularly as you came in through the front door. Thanks to Shane and uh, Sue, the hard work yesterday morning putting all that together. It's great to have that new ramp into the front door there and also some stairs up here too. So uh, instead of that huge big step up, there's some little steps there. So it's always uh, good to uh, to have these things to make things a little bit more access friendly to, uh, to those of us um, who need them. James chapter 3, verses 2 to 5. And James writes, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us this morning. And Lord, as we, uh, we come before you, Lord, we want to uh, first, uh, first of all say that, Lord, we are people who indeed need to hear your wisdom that we need your life-giving word. But, Father, that word also needs to be empowered by your Holy Spirit. And we pray, indeed, for a movement of your Spirit amongst us this morning. Lord, we recognise, as we open up your word to us today, that although it was written so long ago, it very much speaks to um, our situation today. It speaks into the very context of our lives of the various situations that we face in our lives. And so we pray that uh, as we focus on this um, passage about the tongue and our speech today, Lord, we pray that, uh, that indeed your spirit would be our teacher, that we would be very much reminded that, uh, that we are people who, like uh, James says, stumble in many ways. Help us, Lord, to, uh, to be people who bring glory and honour to you, not just through our actions, but through all that we say, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't think you've really got to look very far to find examples of people whose speech gets them into trouble. For instance... This fellow here, this week, our immigration minister made the, the headlines because of what some call an insensitive and unwise comment he made about our Pacific Island neighbours and the prospect that they face of being inundated with rising sea levels. Of course, he was a comment he thought was made in secret, but it turned out that there was a reporter within earshot and, of course, it was all over the news uh, within hours. Sometimes it can be just a passing comment. Other times it can be a very elaborate story 
like the uh, the lady who was uh, famous after the uh, the twin towers uh, destruction in 911 who said that she was on the 78th floor of the south tower when the plane hit and uh, how she uh, spoke of this incredible story of, of survival, how her husband had been in the North Tower and how he had, uh, he had been killed and, uh, and the, you know, the heartbreak of that, but also the heartbreak of her you know, surviving this, this incredible tragedy, all of which later proved to be a hoax. She was, uh, she was making it all up. And uh, she came, became very famous there for a while, but when they really started to dig into a story, they realised that, that it was all uh, just that, a story. And I contrast, you know, in contrast to people like this, I think of people such as perhaps Billy Graham or uh, this, this elderly Kenyan pastor who I once met, his name was Daniel. They just seem to have the ability to use very measured speech, very thoughtful speech. Speech which just oozes godliness. A speech which, a speech which is able to gain the admiration of their listeners. Speech which, uh, which is, is seasoned with, with wisdom and insight. You know the kind of people I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. Look, as we've been working our way through this letter of James, we have been focusing on this whole aspect of, of being a mature disciple in Jesus Christ. That's been our focus as we've gone through because a lot of, of James is all about what it means to be this mature follower of Jesus. Someone who, uh, who has, who has uh, you know, grown in their faith and their trust in him and have grown to see life and circumstances in the context of, of God's view of things. You know, we've seen that we are not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. People who put the word of God into practice in our lives. We are to be disciples who, who indeed see God's big picture in light of the world, and especially God's big, big picture when it comes to the trials and the hardships in our lives. We need to be people who, uh, who recognise that we need a, a correct understanding of ourselves. We need a wisdom that is far greater than our own wisdom. We need to recognise that there is more to life than just the physical that we see around us, the tangible. We need to be people who seek to love our neighbour as ourselves and not to show partiality. And we need to be disciples whose genuine faith is proved by our actions and our attitudes. And what we're finding here in in James chapter 3 is that he goes to great lengths to show that the spiritually mature believer is is someone who has, has learned over time to control his or her tongue. In verse 2 we see that. We see that uh, you know the person who is able to uh, to bridle their tongue um, is is able to bridle his whole body. The person who does not stumble in what he or she says is gives evidence of this whole spiritual maturity. Now the term stumble that we uh, that we read there in verse two refers to a failure or sin in some areas of some area of a person's life. We see that in Psalm 73, verses 2 to 3, which says, But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious. I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Hosea chapter 14 and verse 1 says, Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. 
And again, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 14 and verse 21, where he says, It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble, to fall into sin. But of course, as we see in the verse, the first part of verse 2 of James, chapter 3, we all stumble and we all stumble in many, many ways. One of the main ways that we stumble, one of the main ways that we fall into sin is in our speech, is in what we say. Mastery over the tongue is one of the most difficult things, I think, to achieve in the Christian life. Would you agree? Yeah, it is. Taming the tongue is hard. It is incredibly hard. I don't know if you can read that or not. This fellow up here says, Now, uh, um, this fellow has been bucked off this bucking tongue. Now, why couldn't I do that? The, the cow here says. He sure is taking a licking. But who can tame the tongue? Mm, who can tame the tongue? Okay, so much for the humour this morning. That went over like a lead balloon, didn't it? Who can tame the tongue? Last Sunday, I preached a message here on the, on the uh, this whole aspect of the tongue, and then um, my family and my mum and uh, and Brian, we went out for uh, for lunch to Redcliffe, and we had a lovely lunch there for Father's Day, and then I jumped in the car and Brianna was going to drive home. She's on a L place at the moment, and uh, has hence why I'm losing more and more hair. Is it uh, you know? <laughs> no, no, it's all right. She's 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 going all right. Shh. All right. Anyway, she's driving. So we drive up the road. We come to the first set, the first intersection, the first set of traffic lights. And the lights go green. And there's a person sitting in a car on the other side of the intersection wanting to turn right across, across Brianna. And so she started to go. And this person sort of started to move out. And she hesitated a little bit, thinking he might duck across in front of her. She did the right thing. But then uh, he stopped. And so she kept going. And as she's going over the intersection, this fellow's waving his hands and shaking his head and all this sort of stuff. And uh, and and because he was just impatient, you know, he just had to wait an extra couple of seconds for her to, for Brandon to cross the intersection before he could make his right hand turn, and he was letting her know about it as well. And I tell you, his reaction it just made my blood boil right at that instant, and I let him know it. <laughs> and then. It was like God went, whack! What did you just preach on this morning? We all stumble in many ways. I don't know about you, but I can really relate to the Apostle Paul's words in Romans chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. He says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil that I do not want is what I keep on doing. Amen? Amen. Yes. Now, when we get to these, this, uh, this passage in James, these verses in James 3, what he's emphasising is that the tongue, even though it is such a very small part of our anatomy... It has great power to control, incredible power to control and even direct the course of our lives. Did you know that? 
that the tongue has got the ability, the potential, the power to control the whole course of your life, of my life. And the way James, um, you know, sort of goes about it, he's, he's trying to emphasize the fact that, you know, when we recognize this, we also see the importance it is to gain mastery over the tongue. He uses two examples to illustrate his point, and the first is of a horse. Those uh, of you who know much about horses, you know that they're pretty big animals. And you know that they have a lot of power. In fact, that's how we measure um, you know, our power and speed today, by horsepower, right? Yes. Horses are incredibly big animals, incredibly powerful animals. And throughout history, the horse has been used by man for all kinds of things, for transportation, for, uh, you know, for war, for, uh, for farming. And because of their power, horses can be incredibly hard to control. However, by placing a very small piece of metal in that horse's mouth, you can bring it under incredible control and exercise great control over it. That piece of metal is called a bit. Now, a bit fits over the tongue of a horse. It's connected via the bridle to the reins. And through that, the person who is riding it can control the horse. They pull on the, uh, they pull on one rein and it pulls the bit in the horse's mouth. It pulls the mouth around, hence controlling the head of the horse and the horse turns. You do it the other way, the horse turns the other way. And if you pull it right back, you pull the head back and the horse stops. There you go. There's your riding lesson for the day. <laughs> A very, very small piece of metal and yet, it effectively controls such a huge and powerful beast. The next illustration that James uses is that of a ship. A ship being this incredibly huge, big, you know, construction of, of man. I used to live in Newcastle and I remember, uh, you know, the Hunter River goes right out to, it comes through the main, through the main town there. You've got the Hunter River right by the side, the side of the town and it, it goes out past uh, Nobby's uh, lighthouse there out into the ocean and you get these huge, big container ships and, uh, and oil ships and, and coal ships will come into the harbour there in, uh, in, in Newcastle and some of the ships, they are just incredibly massive. Incredibly massive. And yet such a small, such a small thing as a rudder can control these ships, steering them in a particular direction, whichever way the pilot chooses to go. Even though this rudder is so relatively small, it exercises great power and control, just like the bit in the horse's mouth. And this is James's point. It's very, very crystal clear. He makes it and then in fact the impact of the tongue. The impact of the tongue is completely out of proportion to its size. Being as small as it is, its impact is completely out of proportion to its size, just as the bit and the rudder. So what we see then is that we, we know then it's got to be important to have control over this thing, over this thing called the tongue. Control in the right places. We see that in verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. We need to recognise that, that having control over it, having control over it, can actually bring a control in our own lives through all different aspects of our life. Look at verse 2. Go back to verse 2 for a moment. Paul, and James says, For we all stumble in many ways, he says, but... 
If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. I want you to think about that for a moment. Having control over this tiny little bit of flesh in your mouth, this tiny muscle in your mouth, having control and mastery over that can actually have incredible significance and reflection in your whole life, in all aspects of our lives. That's how significant and important it is to have control over this thing. The believer who can bridle a tongue can bridle a whole body. Listen to this quote from Alec Matir from his commentary on this passage. He says, If our tongue were so well under control that it refused to formulate the words of self-pity, the images of lustfulness, the thoughts of anger and resentment, then these things would be cut down before they have a chance to live. The master switch has deprived them of any power to switch on that side of our lives. The control of the tongue is more than an evidence of spiritual maturity. It is also the means to it. Hmm, interesting thoughts, hey? Interesting thoughts. Let me read in verse 5 that the tongue boasts of great things. It boasts of its power over the control of the body. What it also reminds me of is, is, is the boasting in our own lives. The boasting in our own hearts that we so often verbalise. That boasting that comes from a self-centredness. That boasting that comes about as, a, as we want to you know, promote our own levels of self-importance in our world today. And let's face it, we all want to be important, don't we? We all want people to think well of us. And so we put ourselves out there. We boast. We let our self-inflated egos and things like that, you know, to sort of to, to run amok in our lives and, and get verbalised through the things that we say. But how often does that lead to tearing other people down? How often do our words lead to tearing others down? Because oftentimes, isn't that how our world operates? That we build ourselves up at the expense of those around about us? That as we tear other people down, it kind of makes us feel good about our own self? Haven't you found that? We're not willing to admit it this morning. But it's true. But of course, tearing, each other, tearing others down, what does that do? We've heard this morning, it destroys families. It destroys marriages. It destroys churches. It destroys you know, the very fabric of our, of our society that we, that we live in. People constantly backbiting and, and seeking to devour each other through our words so that we can make ourselves feel better about ourselves than, 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 than before. If you and I can learn to control our tongues, then it can lead us, it can direct our lives 
into what is pleasing and acceptable to God. And it can be a means by which goodness and righteousness are fostered. Folks, if we do not learn to control our tongue, it will be a source of evil and it will constantly bring us trouble. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 20. A man of crooked heart does not discover good and one with a dishonest tongue falls into calamity. Proverbs 25, 23 says, The north wind brings forth rain and a backbiting tongue brings with it angry looks. Creates animosity. There are numerous passages and verses in the Bible that speak of the trouble that comes to us because of the things that we say. And we do not seek to keep control over our words. Now when it comes to the bit and the rudder, which is James uses here in the examples this morning in, in these verses in chapter 3, he does so recognising that these things themselves have to overcome contrary forces. Okay, opposing forces in order to control the horse and the ship. All right, when it comes to the horse, you've got, first of all, its own will. Coupled with that, you've got its power, its power and its size, its, those incredible muscles that, uh, you know, the, the powerful muscles to, you know, to, that, that, that are just, you know, I don't know if you've ever sort of, I've been a real horse lover for, for, for years and years and years. And one of the things that I first notice about a horse is its, is its, is its muscles. Particularly at the hindquarters of the horse. You see the, the big hindquarters of the horse, you know how, how powerful a horse is going to be just by looking at those muscles. And this horse has got that potential to just... I've had burns from my hands of having, you know, uh, halters ripped out of my hand from, you know, from, uh, from wild horses and things like that. Incredibly powerful. When it comes to trying to control those things... Now, like you think about the ships, you think of the size of some of these ships today. You think about the, the, the fact that when the ship is out there on the ocean, it's also got the wind and the waves and the sea currents to, to battle as well. All these opposing and, contra- and contrary forces that these small things, the bit and the rudder have got to, you know, sort of fight against in that, to control it. Well, in the same way, our wills, Yours and my will can be strong influences in our lives, right? Yeah. Coupled with this, we have, you know, our desires within us. Those desires that Paul says, you know, we want to, we want to gratify those sinful desires in our body. We all have them. And then we've got the external influences such as the wind and the waves of current thought and thinking and philosophies to have to battle with. Those things which want to convince us in, in our own minds and hearts that we should be following the, you know, the, the world's ways rather than God's ways. All these kind of contrary forces seeking to direct our hearts and therefore our speech and our tongues. And of course, last week we saw the connection with our, with our heart and our tongue, didn't we? Where Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if something truly has got grips of it, the grip of our hearts, 
then that will, that will be what has control over our tongue. Both these things, the bit and the rubber, the rubber, the rudder, the bit and the rudder, they need to be guided by a strong and wise hand. A good rider with a horse, a wise pilot with the ship or a captain. They need to be guided if they, are, if they are to be used for good, if they are going to accomplish you know, good things. The same with the tongue. It needs to overcome these kind of contrary forces if it is going to be used for good in our lives. Our tongues and our hearts need to be brought under God's wisdom and God's control. And so there it is, folks. There's the key. There is the key for mastering the tongue. The word of God empowered by the spirit of God in our lives. Here we are, back at the word of God again, aren't we? How many times do we keep coming back to the word of God? Every week, don't we? Every week. And yet how much time are we spending in this? How much, how much um, value and significance and importance do we put on this in our lives today? Not enough. And then we wonder why we live lives that are, that are constantly you know, spiritually defeated. Lives which we think are just completely out of control. We wonder what on earth God is doing. But we're not prepared to listen to him. We're not prepared to trust him. We're not prepared to submit our hearts and our lives to his authority through his word today. The key to taming the tongue is submission to the word of God. The word of God which is empowered by the spirit of God. James chapter 1 verse 25 says this, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, in other words, the word of God, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. That one who perseveres, that word perseveres, by the way, is, is the same word of, of walking a journey with a companion, walking side by side with a companion in constant company of. So the, James is saying the person who walks in constant company with the word of God, who perseveres in the word of God, who is not just a hearer but a doer, he will be blessed in his doing. He will be the person or she will be the person who will be able to find mastery over the tongue in their lives and therefore start to exhibit that spiritual maturity in that way. The Spirit of God applying the Word of God helps us in our battle to overcome temptation and sin, even in this difficult area of the tongue. But the problem becomes greater when we underestimate the power of the tongue. 
And that's what James is really emphasizing here in this chapter, why he emphasizes this whole aspect of the tongue. Because when we underestimate its power or when we seek to, uh, when we seek to, uh, to justify or our sin and minimize its evil, that's when we ourselves succumb to its power again. You know, no one wants to be called a gossip. And so what do we do? We instead, we justify our gossiping by saying we are sharing this out of concern. Don't we? Yeah, of course we do. One of the things I hear nowadays, you know, people making criticisms and they say, oh, no offence. Yeah. What would you rather this morning? What would you rather in your own life this morning? Would you rather be a person who is known for their words to bring about healing? To be words that, that, that portray a righteousness and a godliness and a wisdom and an insight in our lives? Would you rather be known as a person whose words bring about injury? That tear others down? Words which bring about disunity and disharmony. You know that old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but your words will never hurt me? Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. I don't know anything else in this whole world that has the power to inflict damage and injury to another person more than words. And when we see today that our words have just got such a a vast um, expanse in which to be promoted in this world through not just through those those sounds that our that our voices make, but through social media, which goes right around our world, and which we just cannot escape from, our words can have incredible potential to cause hurt and pain and suffering on those around about us. So, how will we use our words and our tongues? The sobering thing for all of us is this, is that God will hold us accountable for what we say. Every single one of us. Those words we speak, those words that go through our heads, God will hold us accountable for those very, very Syllables, expressions that we make through our tongues. So what can we do? Well, we need to be aware of the problem. That's the first step. We need to be aware of how, how much potential our tongues and our speech have, how much power they have in the lives of those around about us. Just like an addict who needs to admit the problem before they begin the road to recovery, we ourselves have to admit our problem. We need to admit that we have sin in our hearts. Secondly, we need to submit ourselves to the one who gives power and wisdom to control the tongue. That is, surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ. 
and the power of his spirit working in our life. We cannot hope to overcome the tongue without Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, we need to remember this, that we will fail. We all stumble in many ways. We all will fail. But that we are not to be discouraged when we fail. But as the promise of Jesus says, we can come to him and repent and find forgiveness and then we can move on knowing that our sins have been paid for by him. That there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And every single one of us, you know, the, the old devil, he can get in and he can, one of the, the chief ways that he can discourage us is, you know, every day is through the things that we do wrong. But Jesus says, you can come to me and find freedom from that guilt. You can find freedom from those things which, which weigh you down and burden you so much that think that, you know, that those things which, which those lies in our minds which, which try to convince us that, that God just shakes his head and says, I'm done with you. We can find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Now, isn't that a great hope to hang on to? When it comes to we think, we think about the things that we say in our lives, isn't that a wonderful hope that we have? Thank you. The tongue, such a very, very small part of the human body, but with great, great power. Great, great power. Let us ask God to help us to have mastery over it, hey? So that we might be known as people who indeed promote that righteousness and that godliness and that goodness to those around about us and point people to the truth of God. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we want to thank you for just again this reminder of how significant our words can be, that this power of the tongue. Lord, next week, you know, Dale's going to be uh, speaking on, uh, you know, just the, the damage, the specific damage that the tongue can cause in people's lives. Father, I pray that uh, over these coming weeks that you'll continue to impress upon us as your people that you call us to be people who indeed seek to, to, to master our tongues, to not let them get away from us because we know, Lord, that the person who is not able to bridle his tongue will have problems in all aspects of his life. But the opposite is also true, that the person who is able to find mastery over his tongue through your help will indeed find mastery over many, many things in his life. That's a wonderful thing to hang on to and remember. Lord, now as we come around your communion table, we pray that uh, we might again just be reminded of the fact that uh, even in the midst of our sin, that you have provided a means for forgiveness, a means for a new relationship with yourself, a means by which... We don't fight these spiritual battles in our own strength, but we fight them with the strength of your Holy Spirit living within us. And that is only possible because of your Son, Jesus Christ. That through faith in him, through faith in that his death and his resurrection was, was sufficient enough to pay for our sins, 
that through faith in that, 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 that we can receive your, your Holy Spirit within us. And it is your Spirit then who can give us the power to fight these battles day by day. Lord, that's a great promise. It's a great hope. And so we pray, Lord, this morning that as we, as we eat of this bread and partake of this, uh, this grape juice, which speaks of the blood and, 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 and body of our Lord Jesus Christ given for us, Lord, may we just reflect in our own hearts first and foremost on our, our speech. What is our speech like? Is this something which today you want to convict us in our own hearts about? That we've allowed our tongues to direct the course of our lives in a, in a negative effect for too long and that you want to, to pull us up on that today, Lord? Is it because you want to help us to, to realise that, that the, the, the potential that our words can have for building others up and you want us to be people who encourage you want us to be people who, who, through our words, will indeed bring, speak life into people's hearts and lives. And God, by your spirit, will you do that today? Will you convict us of that? But also, Lord, help us to remember as we partake of these elements today of the forgiveness that we find in Jesus when we fail. Because we will fail but the forgiveness that can be ours through repentance and faith and trust in him. Lord, help us at this time to give you thanks for your goodness to us, that you do not leave us on our own, but that you want to indeed help us to grow in our spiritual lives so that not only do we bless others, but most importantly, we become a blessing to you. So we commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would the uh, stewards who are serving on the table come forward this morning?